When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Kind of modulating a little high there. Let me turn that down a little bit so I don't blow you guys out. Hope you guys are well. The sun did come up in Starkville, Mississippi this morning. It wasn't happy about it, but it did come up. And uh, so we're going to talk at length about some things that happened over the weekend. I apologize for being a little bit tardy with the show. I've kind of gotten in the habit of recording the show at night. I had uh, family in this weekend. And uh, as a result, you know how it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's nonstop. You know, these b- baseball weekends are a work weekend for us. And so I tried to work in some family time as well. And so by the time I got home last night and got settled after dinner, I uh, did, did the Stingray show. And then uh, I just decided to go to bed. And so sometimes I wonder how long I can keep all this stuff up. And uh, it kind of caught up with me over the weekend. So I am recording this uh, on Monday morning. Mississippi State still in the top ten in the uh, – college baseball polls for what that's worth I'm, I'm one of those kind of people too I don't put a lot of stock in college baseball polls this time of year we want to be playing our best baseball of the year at the end of the year and we didn't play our best baseball this weekend so we're going to break down the weekend we're also going to talk about uh, the national invitational tournament and and how the Bulldogs did and uh, it's crazy to think about you know we, we kind of end the year on a positive note no we didn't win on Sunday but I don't think anybody can walk away feeling that Mississippi State didn't play their best basketball towards the end of the year. So we'll talk about that. We'll kind of look at some recruiting stuff today. Also got a special top ten list for a special segment of Mississippi State fans out there. I think you'll look forward to that. That'll be up uh, in the second segment. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Man, I ate there twice this weekend. I had a great time. You know, anytime that my family comes in from out of town, and a lot of times you guys come in and say, hey, Steve, uh, let's go break bread. And we, we generally go to Bulldog Burger Company. I, I went Friday before the game, and then I went Sunday after the game. And I uh, had a great meal both times. And let me think here for a second. I can't remember what I had. No, I guess Friday I just had a dessert because I had had a big lunch, and then I was going to eat at baseball. But I was amazed at how quick the service was, even on a game day weekend. Go in. There's uh, Ian Few doing a great job, as always. Ian comes up, says hello, and uh, we have a great meal, and then uh, you know, before I know it, we're done and on our way to the ballpark. On Sunday, I had the grilled chicken club. Let me go ahead and tell you guys, that is a favorite of mine already. I, I love that toast. You know, it's like a lot of times you get a sandwich and, uh, you know, the bread doesn't match the quality of what's in between. That's not the case with the grilled chicken club. I really like it a lot, It's and it's it is one of those meals, too, that – if you're hungry, it scratches the itch, but I, I didn't feel like I needed to take a nap afterwards. I mean, the portion's just right. They bring it to you. The grilled chicken's great. The, uh, the, the fried green tomato, also great. Go check it out. There's a lot of cool things out there. I haven't tried the full of bologna yet, but I'm going to. That's on my list next. You need to get out, all you Bulldog Burger Company veterans, get out there and find your new favorites. You're going to love the new things. Uh, Roy has given the thumbs up to the tuna burger. I hadn't tried that one yet either, but uh, you should. 
A lot of new things to consider, a lot of new options for you. It never gets stale. That's the thing I'll say about the Bulldog Burger Company menu. They're always looking, you know, when when good things come along, they'll add new products uh, to the menu. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, and they're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Let's talk a little baseball. The first thing that I want to say is Arkansas is an elite team. Mississippi State is not quite there yet. Now, after that weekend in Arlington, there were some people that asked me on Twitter, and some of them Ole Miss trolls, and said, hey, who was the most impressive team that you saw over the weekend? And all due respect to Ole Miss, I thought it was Arkansas. I thought the way that they rallied to come back to win that Texas Tech game was very, very exciting. I watched every game that weekend like all the rest of you did on Flow Sports, but Arkansas scared me a little bit because I thought their pitching was better than anticipated. But offensively, there's just not a lot of outs in that lineup. I mean, you don't look at it and say, okay, well, this is a guy. We can we can pitch around this guy because we know the guy behind him is not going to be able to do anything. Uh, Arkansas is an exciting uh, brand of baseball. There's no doubt. And they proved it this weekend. I shared on Friday I wasn't sure that Arkansas was the number one team in the country. I no longer have any doubts. It's just the reality of it. They're a very, very strong team, and I thought they were extremely prepared for this Mississippi State pitching staff. And listen, I I think it's also to to kind of emphasize here, Mississippi State's not a bad team. I know it it didn't feel the way this Monday as it did last Monday. Last Monday we were also full of optimism. We thought, you know what, we got this. We just got to find a way to win that series. But um, I give Arkansas a lot of credit for setting the tone early. We trot out Christian McLeod, who is our best starter. And in the very first inning, he gives up three solo home runs. Goodhart with a bomb to right that I thought was going to leave the stadium. Wallace gets one, and then Christian Franklin, the first of a few for him. He had a really great weekend. So it's 3 nothing before we even get settled. You know, before the ice is melted in your drink at Duty Noble Field, it's 3 nothing, And it really just kind of felt like, that. you know, what well, we're in trouble. But here's what happens. You know, Christian did kind of settle down a little bit after that. You know, we go, uh, I guess we had, you know, we Rowdy walked uh, against Wicklander, and then, you know, we, we kind of had a chance to do some things there. We didn't do anything with it. We get a big K look in there uh, with Cam James on a full count. Uh, and then McLeod comes back and settles there, and we get a one, two, three, and in the second, you're thinking, okay, let's just hold the game right here, and we'll get it going. We get into the second, we get a one-out walk, then Josh Hatcher flies out, and then Skinner works for a walk. And now you got two men on, and then Forsyth uh, strikes out swinging on three pitches. You know, and that was kind of the theme of the weekend for the Bulldog offense. It's like when we could get some guys on base, we really struggled with the clutch part of this hitting aspect thing. Uh, so you'll give Wicklander some credit for getting out of a jam there. And, but even then, it's just the second inning. We come up in the third, they get a single, and then again, McLeod pitches around it. You you give give up a solid single, and you get a fly out, a line out, and a strikeout swinging. The one thing that I will say that was concerning about that that inning is that even their outs were loud. You know, they were barreling some balls up. They were clearly prepared. We get into the third, DeBrule works for a walk, and then it's a one, two, three inning after that. You know, we just couldn't do anything with it. We get a leadoff runner on, and we can't do anything with it. We can't manufacture the run, and we're trying to get back in the ball game. And then Christian Franklin hits another home run on a, a, 2-0, a 2-0 fastball, goes the opposite way. We follow with a walk. We allow a single. We give a walk. And then, you know, it just seemed like 
we're in trouble. It's a four nothing ball game, and, and they've got things absolutely juiced. We get the double play there, but we allow the run to score, and it's 5 nothing. And at that point, it really felt like the game was over. My hope was, is you know what? You know, we get through Wicklander here. Maybe they'll bring Powell in, and maybe some of the issues he had against Alabama will linger over, and we can get to him. Well, we get a 1-2-3 inning uh, in the fifth, kind of hanging in there. Stone Simmons, I thought, came in and did a good job for us. Eventually kind of ran out of juice. But, um, you know, we get in the bottom five. We get a a one-out single, and then we move Forsyth to second. And then we get another single, and next thing you know, we've got a run on the board. It's a five-to-one game. Rowdy comes through there with an RBI single, and then Tanner Allen strikes out swinging on three pitches. We get a 1-2-3 inning from Simmons of Arkansas in the six, so it's a 5-1 game, so we're kind of holding out hope. And lo and behold, what happened is exactly what we thought would happen. We talked about it on the show Friday that they would throw Wicklander to left-hander and then come back with Pallet and kind of go lefty-righty against us. They bring in Pallet in the bottom of six, and he was absolutely outstanding. I mean, he really was. He, he was what they expected him to be and re, kind of regained his non-conference form. Gets a 1-2-3 inning from us there in the sixth. And uh, in the seventh – this is when, you know, Arkansas kind of removed all doubt. You get an infield single, and you get a strikeout swinging, and then there's a wild pitch. We allow a guy to run and take a second. Then there's a walk. Now there's runners at first and second. We bring in Chase Patrick, and I kind of questioned this move. Now, I don't know all the analytics, you know, but you bring in, you know, kind of a side armor to face Goodhart there, and then he smashes the ball back up the middle, uh, drives in a run. Wallace flies out, and then uh, Slavens gets a single to right field. And it's a 7-1 ball game. At that point, it was academic. We do get a strikeout of Christian Franklin there, uh, one of the few times that we uh, kind of made him look a little silly. But it was a long at bat, you know. But we work through it. We get out of it. It's a 7-1 game, and, and it's a 1-2-3 inning for us there in the bottom of seven. We bring in Riley Self. And uh, I'm going to speak a little bit about this because I know some of you guys are curious. Uh, known Kenny and Jennifer Self and Riley Self – Man, for the better part of 10 years now, it seems. Uh, Riley comes in, we get a ground out, and then we get a walk, but um, things were not good. Now, one of the things I can share with you is I'm told that Riley did not hear or feel a pop in his elbow. But immediately after he spikes that last pitch, the trainer comes out with Lamonis, the infield comes in. Everybody kind of knew something was wrong. He's covering his face with his glove. He's supposed to have MRI today. Not exactly sure what that's going to show, but I was told uh, on Sunday that it's not a 100% certainty that he has a tear there. There is some swelling there, but, um, you know, we just don't know. You know, Riley Self, you know, a couple years ago, back in 18, he was our best pitcher. He was kind of the Landon Sims of that team, and then he had shoulder surgery, and he's never really regained that form. took him a while to kind of get his velo back up. In 19, he didn't really have it. 2020, we started seeing more of the Riley self of old. You know, and then, you know, he's always been that cut fastball, ground ball specialist. And, um, you know, it just hasn't been, you know, the same since he had the surgery. And so we wish him a full recovery. And hopefully it's not as serious as, as feared. But we bring in Cam Tuller and he gets a couple of Ks to get us out of the inning. But, you know, it's a 7 1 ball game. And now we've lost, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a long time guy out of the bullpen that we thought a lot of. And so. We get in the bottom of eight. We fly out and ground out. and We're hit by the pitch. So there's a two-out base runner. We don't do anything with it. We get in the ninth to bring in Dylan Carmouche. And, uh, you know, Dylan's been really good this year. And I think some of that's because he has long hair and listens to rock and roll music. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that can really get out there and, and, and compete with SEC hitters. And we get an error 
that allows the guy to get on base. We get a K there, and then the stolen base, and then we spike another breaking ball. So now we've got a runner at third. We walk the guy. There's runners on the corners. Give up the single, and it was really just kind of all working for Arkansas at that point. It's an 8-1 ball game, so we get to the bottom of nine, needing seven innings. I commend us for not quitting. But at this point, it was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. Uh, Hancock opens up with a single. That, that, and I'll be honest with you, Luke, Luke Hancock is our best hitter. He is. He doesn't swing at a lot of bad pitches. Uh, he does hit mistake pitches a long way, but he also is willing to walk. I don't know if you don't make him the two-hole hitter. I don't know. Uh, and then Logan Tanner um, hits into the fielder's choice there, and then Hatcher flies out. Skinner walks on another long at bat. Forsyth gets a single, drives in a run, and then they bring in another pitcher. Uh, we, excuse me. We, uh, we pinch hit uh, for Scott DeBrule there, and uh, you know, we, we strike out swinging. And uh, I don't know if Kyle McDonald doesn't reserve more at bats, but I thought we were soundly defeated on Friday. I don't think there's anything you could look at and say, well, if this happened or that happened – you know, every time that we began to start a little bit of a rally, and that was kind of, uh, you know, few and far between, we just simply couldn't get the big hit. I guess probably the only really couple of big hits we had is Rowdy Jordan uh, drove in Forsyth, and then Forsyth got that hit in the ninth. But, um, you know, Arkansas was clearly better than us on Friday. Now, Saturday I thought was a different deal. I thought we came out and had a much better approach to play. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about, too, because I think some of our casual fans don't fully appreciate this, you know, situational hitting is a big part of baseball. I mean, it's not a see ball, hit ball mentality. You don't just go up there, and it's not Little League. You know, when it's Little League, you think, okay, well, when you get a pitch to hit, you swing. That's not always the case in college baseball. I mean, you've got to be able sometimes to do some placement hitting. You've got to be able to elevate pitches at times to move runners. And so we came out with a great, great, great approach on Saturday. Now, Zebulon Vermillion has been Arkansas's best pitcher. And you see that guy at 6'4", 235, and you think, man, this guy's going to be a power pitcher. He's really not. He's an off-speed guy. He's a guy with a pretty good breaking ball. But he does a great job of kind of keeping you off balance. Well, we kind of came at him very aggressively in that, in that second ball game and uh, put up a three spot in the first, as you guys recall. And I thought, well, Bednar actually pitched well enough to win. Uh, he gets a 1-2-3 inning in the first. We come out in the first – Skinner flies out to left center, but he struck the ball really well, which I thought was a good sign. Rowdy gets a, uh, a double, kind of gets us going. Tanner Allen smacks one back up the middle. Kim James, K swinging on three pitches. Uh, Allen does take second the wild pitch. And then Luke Hancock singles to center field. We drive in a couple runs there. And then Logan Tanner doubles down the line, and Hancock scores from first. And so it's a 3 nothing game, and it really felt like we had our mojo. Really felt like we said, you know what? Yeah, we got punched in the mouth on Friday. We're ready to punch back. So you give Bednar that 3 nothing lead. He goes right back to work with a 1-2-3 inning. I take that back. We had to hit by pitch there uh, against Christian Franklin. I don't know if that was deliberate or not. But, um, you know, we, we get out of that thing pretty quickly. Uh, Bednar, really efficient inning there. We get in the bottom of second, and uh, we case swing, and we get a line out, and then we get the big double uh, down the right side from Braylon Skinner, and then Rowdy walks. So here we are again, runners at first and second, uh, with one of our best guys, Tanner Allen, up, and we can't get the big hit. You know, a big hit there, let's say you just put the ball in play there and you get a base hit, you get a run, maybe two, depending on the, the, the level of the hit there. 
And so that was a missed opportunity for us. But still, it's a 3 nothing ball game, and we'll bet in our on the hill. You feel like, you know, that's going to hold up for a while. I was telling guys in the press box, as good as it all feels, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. So you get the single to center from battles, and then you get back-to-back Ks. So now it's you got a runner at first with two outs. And then we get a long fly ball to center that – I'm assuming Rowdy lost in the sun, and so we drop it, and then the run scores, and so we gift them a run right there. Of course, uh, Bednar comes back and gets a case swinging on three pitches. But as well as we've played through three innings, we give them a run and and make it a 3-1 ball game. We get the run right back, which is I thought was a good sign at the time. Uh, Cam James hits an absolute bomb to left center, makes it a 4-1 game. Now we're back up three again. We didn't do much else with it, but all three, excuse me, all four balls that inning were hit really well. You know, we have a line out, ground out, a line out, but uh, we were clearly seeing the baseball well, and it just felt like it was a matter of time before we put up a crooked number again. So we get into the fourth, and, uh, you know, Bednar finally has a little bit of a trouble here. You know, you get the single at the middle, we get a case wing, and then there's a walk, there's a case wing, and then we get a fly out to center, and so. There we were kind of keeping Arkansas from getting that big hit. We get into the bottom of four. Tanner Leggett, who was starting in spot of uh, Scotty DeBrule, he, you know, he, he takes the ball through the left side, gets a base hit. So we have a leadoff base runner, and you think, okay, let's get some things going. And uh, Forsyth strikes out swinging. Probably a good bunt opportunity there. If I remember correctly, I think we showed that, and then we just couldn't execute there. Skinner is then hit by the pitch, which proved to be big the rest of the weekend. He didn't play much the rest of the weekend. Uh, hit in the knee, I think, uh, you know, 90-some-odd miles an hour. But uh, so now, but now all of a sudden, you've got runners at first and second with less than two outs. So, again, we've kind of got ducks on the pond here. We need the clutch hit. And rather than get it, we ground into a double play. And so, again, missed opportunities here for us to, uh, you know, to advance the lead here. And now we get into the fifth, and this is when the wheels really came off for us. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to pull any punches here. It's, it, it's, always, it's always so interesting to me. I'm kind of optimistic by nature, but I call it as I see it. And it's like uh, if, I, if I say things about Mississippi State men's basketball, some people say, well, Steve, you're being too negative. And then uh, I'm not going to get on here and rip our baseball team and we were the number two team in the country. I don't understand that. Like, well, Steve, I wish you'd just get out there and just kind of rip the situation for what it is. You know, well, maybe we just don't agree. How about that? Yeah, I'm not here to be your mouthpiece or make you feel better or feel worse than about how things are. I just call it as I as I see it. This fifth inning was dreadful. We get the opening out on three pitches. Robert Moore is a guy that's a, a very, very, very exciting player for Arkansas at second base, great defensive player, and uh, did, did have a little up and down weekend to play. But we get a strikeout there. We give up the home run to Webb, the leadoff hitter there, Brandon Webb, and, and it's incredible to think that this is a guy hitting less than 200 uh, batting leadoff, but uh, hits a big bomb there. And then we get Goodhart out. So it's a 4-2 ball game with two outs, and we're thinking, okay, yeah, they've hit a bomb here, but we minimize the damage because it was a solo blast. So let's go ahead and get in the dugout. We give up a single to Wallace, and then there is um, craziness ensues. Uh, Slavens is credited with a double. That is the correct official scoring. But it's basically a routine pop-up off the left side between the shortstop and the third baseman. Now, Skinner's 100%. Maybe he can even come make that play. But it's not his play. It's Lane Forsyth's play. And he'll tell you it's his play. Now, he and Cam have to kind of get that figured out. And I don't know if maybe it's because Cam is used to playing short and he was at third and 
thought he was in charge. But the bottom line is either one of those guys could have caught it. Neither one of them did. It is a bonehead play, and it cost Mississippi State dearly. It really changed the complexion of the game. And you say, well, you know, it never boils down to one play. Well, sometimes it does. And this is one of those plays that really changed the momentum in the ball game and really gave us, you know, everything we had done right had been negated after this because Christian Franklin then hits a three-run bomb into left center to give Arkansas the lead 5-4. So we have dominated this game for the better part of the game. We've missed some timely hits, but we begun we begin the inning up three. We end the inning down one, and it was all self-inflicted. I mean, give Arkansas some credit for putting the ball in play, but we blew it. It's as simple as that. We blew it. It's like It was like watching a bad high school team. You get a routine pop-up out there. Oh, you got to retreat about 10 feet. You make the dadgum catch. And I'm sure that's something that Chris Lamonis has echoed to the team and, and uh, probably a, not, a lot more, um, you know, base in his voice than there is mine when he, when he had that conversation. But we come back and we immediately get it back. We immediately get the home run to tie the ball game. So Tanner Allen hits a blast in the left field lounge, a 5-5 game. They ended up uh, taking um, Bolden out and bringing Monk in. And um, that was Kem James, also on a full count, you know, struck the ball really well. We just didn't have much to show for it. And then they bring in Monk, and he gets a pair of Ks. And so now it's a tie game with four innings left to play. And it's the thing that I look at, you know, if Bednar leaves with a lead – you know, maybe you bring Landon Sims in. And that's one of those things, too. I know a lot of our fans, and again, a lot of people love baseball, don't know baseball. Uh, you're not going to bring in Landon Sims on a Friday in a ball game that you're not winning. You just, you're just you not going to do that. You, know, you, you want to save him as a middle reliever for when he can best help you get a win. It's not just about slowing the game down or keeping the game in place. You're not going to burn him for a weekend on Friday in a tie ball game. It's just not how it's going to work. You, you're just not going to do that. All right, so... We ended up pulling Bednar, and it was time for him to go. I mean, it was. I think he was gassed. Cumbus comes in for Skinner because Skinner's uh, banged up after the ball on the knee. And then uh, Brandon Smith, who's been one of our most reliable pitchers, leaves the ball up, and Smith hits a home run. It's a 6-5 ball game. Then we get a ground out, we get a strikeout, and you're thinking, okay, let's get out of here and get done with this. And when we extend the inning, we walk the leadoff hitter, a guy that's hitting less than 200, Webb. We walk him. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to think about. Next thing you know, Goodhart hits on the home run. It's 8-5. And so, again, we are extending these innings through our own issues. I guess you could say our own ineptitude. You know, we don't make a play defensively. We don't execute a pitch. And so, when you, you can't give a good team like Arkansas out. You can't give them free base runners. They're going to hit the baseball enough that they're going to get on base as it is. They don't need your help. And we helped them an awful lot. So now it's an 8-5 ball game, and you still think, okay, maybe we're okay. They bring in uh, Cops, who I have seen pitch several times. And this is the one thing that I'll say. To me, this is one of those things that I'm going to put on the coaching staff. We were completely unprepared for him. Completely. Now, if you've seen the guy pitch, he basically pitches backwards. He'll start you with a breaking ball, start you with a changeup. He kind of gets you guessing he'll sneak a fastball by you. And he's got a good fastball, but that's just not his game. He, he keeps you off the fastball because he can throw three other pitches for strikes. He's consistently a change-up curveball um, fastball guy. Does throw the slider a little bit to get a swing and miss, but we look completely unprepared. I mean, he is a really good pitcher. We made him look even better. So he strikes out the side in the sixth, all three of them swinging. 
all three of them. And at that point, that's when I really got to worry. And I said, you know what, we're in, we're in bad shape here. And then any concerns that I had uh, were compounded by what Arkansas did there in the top of seven. Slavens with a single, Christian Franklin again, who killed us, doubles down the line, they hold the runner, and then uh, we walk uh, Casey Opitz. And uh, now it's you know, bases loaded, nobody out. We have the rain delay there. And uh, I know some of you guys were hoping they would call it, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things you look at and you begin to wonder, okay, well, what, what's really happening you know, with this team? Carlisle Castler comes in, does his best to minimize the damage. You get a fly out to left, ends up being an RBI sack fly. We get a, free, a, a, a fielder's choice, and it wasn't hit hard enough to turn to. We tried, it just didn't work out. And then there's another single, and it's a 10-5 ball game. So they put up, you know, two more runs in the inning. Could have been a lot worse, but, uh, you know, at that point it was basically academic. We, uh, we come up in the seventh, and Cumbus gets an infield hit, and then Rowdy grounds into a double play. Tanner Allen lines out to right. We're running out of outs here. We get into the eighth, and then uh, Goodhart grounds out, and then, we get to, then they get a single, and we strike out looking, and then there's another error. And that's the thing that I begin to look at, too. You know, we have – you know, we had some really good defensive series. We didn't play good defense all weekend. And I think some of that's maybe the uh, the pressure of the weekend got to some of our younger guys. This particular error was on Tanner Leggett out at, out at second base. This one didn't cost us, but it did extend the inning. And that's the thing, too, when you think about pitching. You know, it's like when, I, when my guy's getting ground balls, you got to make the play. My, I mean, you, you are, you're gassing our guy up and making him having to throw more pitches, which uh, only extends things even further. So we could finally get out of the inning there on a line out. And then we get in the bottom of eight. And uh, the only reason we get on base is there's a, there's a throwing error by third baseman. But outside of that, we, I don't even know if we hit the ball really uh, hard the rest of the ball game. We get into the ninth, and, they, and, of course, they tack on another run, which is what great teams do. And then we went pretty quietly uh, there in the ninth. Strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging. We get another infield hit from Cumbus. We get a walk there, and then uh, – Tanner Allen grounds out, and that's a game. It's 11-5. And at that point, we're just thinking, you know, we came to this thing hoping to win the series. Now we're just trying to salvage a game. We're just trying to salvage a game. Because in our minds, I think we all felt like, you know, us and Arkansas are pretty comparable. And after two games, I don't think we felt that way anymore. So Sunday rolls around, and, uh, you know, Jackson Fristo's on the hill. And I think a lot of people just feel a little more comfortable with him out there. And that, that's, that's not a slide on anybody. I think we all realize that at some point he's going to be a Friday night guy for us. In the- Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The SEC, uh, he's kind of earning his keep now at Sunday, but uh, he is a competitive guy that can get some swing and miss, and he's got some real dog in him. And uh, I like the move having him on Sundays, and I thought he pitched well enough to stay on Sunday. Uh, Lamona's not ready to make that call. We spoke in the post game, but uh, again, we have one inning where we don't make some plays defensively, and uh, you know, Fristo gets out of the ball game, and next thing you know, we're, we're done. You know, and and so let's get to that. Uh, we get into the first inning. Fristo, I thought was really good. Gets a K. There's a walk there, and then we we get we strike out the side. The one thing I will say is he was getting deep in the counts. It goes to a full count on three of the four hitters in the inning, and you kind of knew then he wasn't going to be able to stay long without getting you know some help uh, to get get out and get a quick quick inning somewhere along the way. But uh, you know we come out there in the first. You know again, you know they're throwing transfer from Houston, uh, Lale Lockhart. Uh, we get a K, and then we get a two-out single, and then we can't do anything with it. Uh, Tanner Allen tries to take second on a ball in the dirt. It really didn't get far enough away, and Opich is a good enough guy to make you pay for that. So a calculated risk there that didn't pay off. Top of the second, Fristo good again, and this time he does get a quicker inning. You, know, you get uh, Franklin and Opich both on 0-1 counts to go ahead and get out of there, and then you do get deep in the count to battles, but you win that. And uh, you get the K. So you're back in the dugout again, and you, you you got a chance to really, you know, get some early advantage here. We don't. Uh, we go one, two, three there in a second. And uh, there's a, that's a common theme with some of this stuff, too. I mean, we're swinging a lot of bad pitches. We really are. Fristo goes out, another one, two, three inning. And your first time uh, through the order, and you've you face one over the minimum. We get in the third, and we begin to kind of get some things going here. You know, Cumbest again with another infield single with one out, and then uh, Forsyth grounds the ball out to uh, second. They they can't turn the double play, but, again, we're having trouble getting the ball out of the infield. And then Scotty DeBrew gets a single, so now all of a sudden we've got runners at first and second, need the two-out base hit uh, to kind of make some things happen. Well, we get Rowdy Jordan – to tap one by the mound, basically gets an infield hit here. So bases loaded, two down for Tanner Allen, who's our guy. I mean, he is. I mean, in that situation, there's probably nobody else you'd rather have up there, and then Tanner flies out. So, again, the early clutch hit remains elusive for Mississippi State. We get into the fourth inning, and this is when uh, things begin to change. Goodhart, first pitch he sees, he hits an absolute bomb out to right field, which completed the trifecta. Arkansas homered against all three Mississippi State weekend starters this weekend. And of course, they had the, you know they hit three against uh, McLeod. They got one against Bednar and got one against Fristo. And so, 
there's a wake-up call to be had there for those weekend guys. As good as they are and as much potential as they have, you make mistakes to good teams, they're going to make you pay. you got to go out there and execute pitches, and uh, they absolutely did. They absolutely – when we made mistakes, they absolutely crushed us. And in this inning, this top of the fourth really determined the outcome of the game. Wallace follows with a single. Then we walk. Slavens is a wild pitch. Um, then we get a couple of sw- strikeout swing, and you think, okay, maybe we can dance with danger here and get out of this deal. We get a 2-2 count on battles, and, and, and he, he's a really good player. He's not an elite hitter. And uh, a, a big battle goes along here, and then it's basically an infield hit, we, and then Cam throws the ball away and allows a couple runs to score. And it just really felt like at that point that we were – it wasn't our weekend. <laughs> After that, Bob Moore, Robert Moore, a guy that had really struggled to play, absolutely uncorks one over the head of Tanner Allen for a triple. And then uh, Nesbitt, the third baseman, singles to center field. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you look at, five runs in the frame. And Jackson Fristo probably deserves better. And, uh, yeah, you can go back and look at this, and you know, you know, Cam makes a, uh, a diving stop there. You know, you hold the baseball there. I know he's just trying to make something happen. But you hold the baseball there, You know, and maybe those other three runs don't score. You know, maybe. Maybe. Just don't know. And those are things you look back over the course of a ball game. You know, sometimes, you know, discretion's a better part of valor. And I like Cam James. I think Cam James is going to be a star here. Um, but that was a bad decision. And it cost Mississippi State. Like, we get back to – you know, the, the pop-up on Saturday. You know, that was a play that needed to be made, and we blew it. And so here's another situation where we have a chance. And I know he's probably thinking, you know what, if I get up and throw the guy out, we're out of the inning. You know, throwing the ball wild, and next thing you know, three more runs score. And so it's a 5 nothing ball game. We still didn't quit. And that's the thing you look at, just like on Saturday when Arkansas was down, you start thinking, man, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. We knew we had Landon Sims still available in the bullpen. We still had a complement of arms out there, some guys we could work with. And so it's like if we can get some runs, maybe we can piece the bullpen thing together on the back end. So we open up, and uh, Cam James gets a walk, a really good at bat there. I mean, got ahead in the count. It's kind of worked, and it worked, and fouled off a couple two-strike pitches. He gets on. Then Hancock is hit by the pitch, and everybody's like, okay, here we go. Logan Tanner then uh, hits into a fielder's choice there. We end up getting runners on the corners. And then Josh Hatcher on the fielder's choice, uh, you know, we scored the run there. But, uh, you know, the thing that I'll get back to with Hatcher, and I've had this discussion with a couple people over the weekend, he's rolling over everything. You know, it's like it seems every time in RBI situations, I don't know if he's just thinking, okay, I need to hit a ground ball hard somewhere to get something through. But with runners on, he's hitting a ton of balls right at people as ground balls. And Arkansas is so athletic they can play the bigger infield and, and kind of cut down on some of those angles. But, uh, you know, Josh has really struggled – uh, over, the, over the weekend against Arkansas. Really did. I think he was like one for 19, something like that. All right, so we get the run in, and then Cumbus singles. And if, not, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was four hits in a row for, uh, for Brad uh, over the course of two ball games. So we're back in the ball game. You know, it's a 5-2 deal. And you're thinking, okay, if we can hold the game in place, and we know we've got Landon Sims out there for us that perhaps we can kind of come in here and do some big things. Uh, we go right back out there, and, and Arkansas goes one, two, three. Houston Harding in the ball game, uh, and, and he's a guy we know that can help us. We know that he's a guy that's a swing and miss guy. We come back now. We slowed the game down a bit, and we go one, two, three. 
Again, not 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 a good effort. And one thing I want to say about that too, it's just like, uh, and I don't want to pick on anybody, so I'm not going to bring up any names here, because uh, I know sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees when it's our kid that's involved. But when you work to an advantage count and you get a 2-0 count or a 3-1 count, that doesn't mean you got to swing at the next pitch. What it means is you can be selective. And so, if and Chris talked about this in postgame on Sunday. You work and you get up 2-0, so you look for a fastball. Well, why are we swinging at a 2-0 changeup? You know, we, it didn't make any sense to me. You know, that's undisciplined hitting, and that's the kind of stuff that gets yourself out. That's not them getting you out. That's you getting yourself out. And so we talk and talk and talk about we hunt the fastball, hunt the fastball, hunt the fastball. Well, then why are we biting on these pitches that aren't, that aren't fastballs and fastball counts? If it is a 2-0, 3-1 count, and we said, I'm going to sit dead red fastball, and I don't get the fastball, I take the pitch. There were times yesterday that we're swinging at balls out of the zone because 2-0, 3-1. You know what? And I, and I would expect that for Starkville High School. I don't expect that from Mississippi State. you got to be more disciplined to play Absolutely, got to be more disciplined to play. And then that costs us, especially on Sunday. All right, so we get into the sixth, and, of course, Arkansas you know, responds like good teams do. And, uh, you know, they go out there and put another run up. And so, you know, Opitz opens with a double, and then you get a single, and then, you know, Bob Moore walks. We get a strikeout. We're, we're able – we think we're going to get out of the inning here, uh, but we, we walk in a run. And uh, that's Landon Sims, our guy. But uh, he gets out of it. He strikes out good hard, and that's the difficult guy to strike out, but he gets him. So, again, we had every chance to quit. We didn't. We come right back. Back-to-back home runs by Luke Hancock and Logan Tanner, and we chase uh, Brandon Monk, who was the guy that got the win on Saturday in relief. And he's a good pitcher. He really is. But, uh, you know, it, it just goes to show, you know what, we're not, we're not backing down here. And so now it's a 6-4 ball game, and it's like we're within striking distance, and we've got Landon Sims on the mound. So we're thinking they're not going to score the rest of the way. But if we can piece together a couple of innings here, you know, maybe manufacture a couple runs, maybe get into the home run there. We've got a chance to kind of get this ball game and salvage something out of the weekend. And so the rest of this ball game was not on pitching. It was on offense. And so after the home run, you know, Hatcher uh, doubles to right center, and good for Josh. He needed that. Cumbus grounds out. Forsyth strikes out swinging. DeBrule grounds out. So you've, you've got not only two runs home – but you basically have you know, a leadoff runner at second with nobody out, and then you can't do anything with it. Those are the things you look at. We talk about clutch hitting. You know, when you're trying to win in a Southeastern Conference and you've got a duck on the pond, you've got to put the ball in play. And that's the thing I look at here is ground out to third, strike out swinging, and ground out to short. We didn't get the ball out of the infield. Didn't even get the ball out of the infield. That can't happen. It simply can't happen. So we get in the seventh, and Sims is rolling, and we get a strikeout swinging. We do walk a guy. We get a fly out to right, and then we get uh, Opitz to ground out. And so, again, we've, we've held the game in place. So then we get a leadoff runner on. Rowdy reaches on a fielding error. Uh, you know, Robert Moore just, you know, kind of mishandled the ball there. But um, he's there, and then Tanner Allen grounds into the double play. And then Cam James pops out. So, again, we get a leadoff runner on and can't do anything with it. It just it kind of boggles the mind at times. I mean, it's, there's, it's an epidemic of sorts. We've got to kind of – I don't know if we've got to have a seance or something or, you know, a come-to-Jesus meeting or whatever. We've got to find a way to get some clutch hits here. Uh, top of the eighth, and, again, Landon Sims is good. You get, you know, fly out, fly out, walk, 
fly out, but uh, nothing going on there, you know. Uh, bottom of the eighth, again, we get a leadoff runner. Luke Hancock works it for a walk there. And so now the tying run is at the plate in the eighth. Uh, Tan- Logan Tanner flies out. Josh Hatcher then singles. So now all of a sudden we've got runners at first and second. And we're all thinking, okay, here we go. Runners at first and second. A base hit here. Scores a run. We get one in the gap. The game is tied. And Cumbus, as good as he had been as of late, takes three fastballs for strikes. And, again, this goes back to this whole philosophy of we hunt the fastball, we hunt the fastball. So I don't know if maybe we had Brad thinking too much or maybe perhaps the pitcher just fooled him or whatever. But we didn't even get the bat off our shoulder. And that, that just simply can't happen. you got to put the ball in play. And that's the thing I think about, you know, Bulldog offenses in recent years. You know, we have been the aggressor, but it has been controlled aggression. Like, we don't go out there and just swing at bad pitches for the sake of swinging the bat. But then here we are in this situation taking good pitches and not swinging the bat. So I don't know if we need to simplify things. I don't know if our uh, pregame scouting report is correct. We're not doing enough in-game adjustments. I don't know, but I do know this. I do know Mississippi State baseball. When we have time runs on base, we don't sit there and look at pitches. That's not who we are. And if you look at what Arkansas did, you know they've kind of taken our identity offensively. You know they're aggressive up and down the order. So Compass K's, and then Forsyth flies out the center. And so again, a great opportunity, our best opportunity late in the ball game to really climb back in this thing, and we blow it. We get into the ninth, and again, Logan Sims, great, strikeout swinging, fly out to center, and then uh, strikeout swinging. So Sims has done his job. He's held the game in place. We get into the ninth, and what happens? Scotty DeBrule singles to the right side, and we're thinking, okay, now the tying run is at the plate again. We talked to all, you know, for a long time about it. We're not getting production on the leadoff spot. Well, we, here we are getting guys, and then Rowdy Jordan grounds into a double play, and then – we think all hope is lost, but it's not. Then Tanner Allen singles through the left side. Now the tying run comes to the plate again. We swing at the first pitch, and it's a routine fly ball down the left field line. And so baseball is a funny game. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, I, I'm a guy that understands, well, you know, it's baseball. I get that. But at some point, you got to kind of question yourself and say, okay, is this a mental toughness aspect of things? You know, there are a lot of people, and, and I'm going to you know, be, just be honest here, you know, you got to be a great player to wear the M over S. The M over S doesn't make you a great player. You got to bring some of that with you. Now, we'll develop you, and the experience itself will make you even better. But nobody anywhere is going to lay down just because you show up there in, in maroon and white wearing a Mississippi State hat. That, that's just not how it works. You know, your hard work got you here, but you got to continue to work hard when you get here. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, we need, to, we need to put this guy in, that guy in. Listen, the best players are playing. The best players are playing. Now it's up to the coaching staff to get the best out of the best players. You know, I think Tanner Allen's the one guy you look at and say, you know, consistently is a guy that just won't quit. You know, he, he said in postgame, you know, some of these guys don't fully understand. He said he kept telling the guys, hey, our crowd is still in the ball game. you got to stay in the moment too. So that's some leadership there from Tanner. But we got to have more of those guys buy in. And he referenced Jake Mangum. You know, Jake was a guy that used to tell everybody, listen, you got to avoid getting swept on the road and you got to win your home series. You know, well, we get swept at home. You know, by a team that uh, has really kind of had our number the last few years. And listen, we, we, we've given as good as we've gotten, but uh, they punch us in the mouth this weekend. 
And I thought we responded at times, but uh, when the game was on the line, it was Arkansas getting the big hits. And, again, it's like you can't just look back and say, you know, some weekends you can say, well, you know, our Sunday pitching hadn't been good. When they come out of here and they start hitting dingers off all of your, your, uh, your weekend guys, you know, that, that's a collective wake-up call for everybody on the staff. And, listen, I, I thought the strike zone yesterday was awful. It was, but it was for both teams. It's like the plate was about 12 inches wide. And then one inning, the low strike was there. The next inning, it wasn't. It was very inconsistent for both teams. And sometimes you don't know what to swing. And you saw some reactions from the Arkansas hitters, too, where they were upset with some calls. And to be honest with you, I thought they were right. I mean, we got the benefit of some calls, too. But here's the deal. Arkansas played with that same umpire, and they won the ballgame 6-4. We can't go up there hoping to get a walk. We're going up there looking to hit. And if, and if they don't give us the pitch we want, we'll take the walk. But we can't go up there – like some eight-year-old little league kid uh, just saying, you know what, I'm scared to swing the bat, and I hope they walk me. You know, we've got to go up there and be aggressive. And we've got a great coaching staff. I'm not one of these people that thinks if we have a bad weekend, we should just gut the program. I don't believe that. We're a great team. We didn't play great over the weekend. And so one of two things can happen here. Either we can say, you know what, hey, it was just one weekend. Let's get back to work and get going. Or we can let this thing linger. Uh, you got Valley coming in on Tuesday, and you got Kentucky this weekend. We, you know, to be honest with you, we need a four and a week. We do. We need a four and a week to kind of right the ship. Now, worst case scenario, we got to take two out of three from Kentucky. Uh, I think we really need a sweep, and that's not going to be easy. Now, granted, Kentucky, uh, you played has played a couple of rough teams. They played Missouri and played Auburn, arguably the two worst teams in the conference right now. But um, yeah, they're going to come in here with some confidence. But I know the quality of young men that we have recruited to play at Mississippi State. And I know they're going to respond. Now, how will they respond remains to be seen. But there are some fundamental issues wrong with this team right now. And they all bubbled up over the weekend against a great team. And that's usually what happens is under the pressure of competition, that's when your weaknesses are the most magnified. And that's what happened to us over the weekend. We didn't get great starting pitching most of the weekend. We got good starting pitching on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Christian just kind of got his nose bloodied on on, uh, Friday. But he did settle down and come back, and, you know, we're right back in the mix, and then, you know, we blow it. But I I really thought that the only game you look at and say, you know what, Arkansas really trounced us was Friday. But you know what, they all count the same in the loss column. We got to clean up things defensively. We got to be more aggressive offensively we got to be able to work counts a little bit better and not get out there and just, you know, okay, what's 2-0 I'm supposed to swing here? No, no. That's undisciplined hitting. And Jake Gotro's got to get that fixed. He absolutely does. And that's one of the things, too, I, it's, it's so interesting to me, is that when you begin to look at, you know, offensively, you go back and look at how good we were in 19. Uh, you know, we were pretty good last year, but you know, we've been up and down, and some of that is about personnel. And so we've got to kind of play within ourselves because, we, listen, we all talked about at the beginning of the year, we don't really have that guy in the lineup you have to pitch around. You don't have that guy in the lineup you look at and say, okay, this is a guy that can change a game for us in one swing. I, the closest thing we have to that is Luke Hancock. And, I, and you know, I've I, I, I shared with you guys before, I'd hit him second. I, I know he needs to be in an RBI producing opportunity, but, I'm, you know, we have, we have done such a bad job at times at the top of this order, you know, I don't know that I wouldn't have Skinner hitting leadoff or DeBrule hitting leadoff and have 
Luke hitting second because at least I know Luke's going to put the ball in play and move runners around, and he's willing to take a walk if he doesn't get uh, what he wants because he's not going to chase bad pitches. And all of a sudden, uh, you got three, four, three, four, and five hitting with one to two guys on base. You know, uh, and again, I trust Chris Amonis to do a great job. Chris is still the coach, uh, the same coach he was uh, two weeks ago that he is today. And so a lot, a lot of times we get on social media message boards and, you know, we think, oh, well, we should have done this. This is all on them. Listen, Chris will tell you it's on him. That's the difference between him and a lot of other people. It's one of the things he said, you know, we got beat in all phases of baseball, including coaching. And that didn't make me feel any better, you know, about losing. But, you know, I, it, what it tells me is that Chris is not just going to just write it off and say, hey, it's just baseball. No, he's saying, you know what, we got to be better. We got to do this better. We got to coach better. We got to defend better. We got to hit better. We got to pitch better. And, and with Chris, I can promise you, it's not just lip service. You know, a lot of other people are getting a post game press conference and, you know, they give you all these little cliches and it sounds all cute and people get excited about it. When Chris says these kind of things, I can assure you, uh, they're very authentic. And you've heard him say before, you know, it's like, ah, I think we're okay here. And then we'll be okay here. You know, we got punched in the mouth. And now it's time to see how we respond. I, I expect us to respond favorably, and I think it's going to be a big week. I really do. Let's talk top ten lists. Uh, brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. And I, if, if memory serves me correct, um, Dr. Yarber has been with us a couple months now, and uh, we're actually going to change the sponsors for the top ten next month. But uh, that doesn't mean that I don't think you guys should go see Dr. Yarber. Okay, so we're going to finish up a couple days with him. And, uh, you know, I don't work with people that I don't believe in, if that makes sense to you. You know, it's like I'm I'm very protective of the show. I I devote so much time and effort to this. I wouldn't just get in business with just anybody. Matter of fact, I've turned down some advertisers, uh, you know, people that didn't necessarily reflect my values. And so I want to talk to you about Doc a little bit today is even when this sponsorship goes away, when you guys have ear, nose, and throat problems and you hit me up, I'm going to tell you, go see Dr. Yarber. Dr. Robert Yarber is a bulldog through and through. He's a guy that's worked for the ENT physicians in North Mississippi for a long time. That's ear, nose, and throat. So if you're having sinus pain, if you're having all these common problems and, and you're, you're trying to treat them with over-the-counter medications and deep down you probably know it's a chronic issue, why not fix it once and for all? Go see Dr. Yarber. Two locations to serve you right here, 910 Stark Road in Starkville. And then on 618 Pecom Drive in Tupelo. The phone number to call, 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. And if you're, if you're in Starkville and you end up having to have a minor surgical procedure, it's going to be run at OCH, which is a county-owned hospital. And so it's good for the environment. It's good for you. It's good for the community. It's good for the ozone layer. Dr. Robert Yarborough of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. So I, I want to get on my soapbox a little bit before we do today's top 10 list. The first thing that I want to say is uh, some of you are, are, are not honest about your musical taste. Because the number one most listened to Spotify list now is Creed. Creed. And a lot of people say, oh, Creed, I don't like this. But you listened. You listened. The number one most listened to Top 10 list now is Creed. Love it, man. Listen, I'm just telling you the truth. The numbers are the numbers. The number two thing I want to say is I want to thank you guys for your support of Hardy, man. I had so many people reach out. I would say of of the top 10 lists that I've done in the past four to six months, 
I had more of you guys reach out about Hardy. And I think a lot of it's because maybe you didn't know his story or maybe you did. And I've had a lot of people from Philadelphia reach out and tell me, you know, Steve, you said he was from Winston County. He's not. And you're right. I'm wrong. He is from Philly. But there were so many people that said, hey, Steve, thanks for doing this. I even had some members of his family reach out and say, hey, this is really cool. Thanks so much. And uh, you guys responded. I had a bunch of you guys say, you know what, Steve, I'd never heard of Hardy. You know, I knew Luke Hancock's walkout song. I'd heard that, didn't quite know who it was from. And now you guys are fans of Hardy. And I think that is amazing. I've even had some of my friends that are huge country music fans say, hey, well, now that you like Hardy, you need to listen to this guy and that guy. Listen, let's not overdo it. Okay, let's not get crazy here. I'm enjoying where I'm at. I'm enjoying Hardy. And I'm glad you guys are digging his music too. I think the guy's very, very talented. So thanks for your support. So but here's, I want, there's, there's some of you guys, listen, I love all of y'all, but some of y'all make my head hurt. And uh, I'm sure my mom probably said the same thing about all of us kids. But, um, you know, uh, I want to make sure we understand this. Okay, Vic Schaefer broke up with us. And now people say, oh, Steve, no, 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 stop. Stop right now. Vic left us. He did. Now I want to make you aware of something. Vic's not coming back. It's it's time to move on. You know, and I, I posted this on Facebook earlier. You know, some of you guys act like you never got over your high school girlfriend. Vic came. He wasn't a great coaching candidate when we got him. He didn't have a great resume. But he proved to be the greatest women's coach we ever had. We had a great run. We had a chance to win a couple national championships, and one of them we just blew it. But, guys, it's over. It's over. I know some. I mean, I, I saw that some people wanted. They're like all upset about the the Texas and Maryland thing and Chloe Bibby versus Vic. You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Maybe I'm built differently. My emotional investment in Vic Schaefer ended when he left. I, I don't have any ill feelings about Vic. I don't think any less of Vic. I, was I a little hurt? Was I hurt when he left? Yeah, I was. But let's move on. You know, I don't sit around at night staring at the ceiling wondering if the girl that I took to prom is laying in bed staring at the ceiling thinking about me because I know that's not how life works anymore. And so I'm going to help some of you Mississippi State fans that can't move on. I'm going to do my best today. I've already sent Roy the list. And so today we're going to do the top ten breakup songs for all of you that just can't seem to get over the fact that Vic Schaefer broke up with us. I don't wish Vic any ill will. I hope Vic's happy and healthy and hope he gets to get a a great steak dinner tonight. And uh, he and Holly have a wonderful time together and they smile at each other and that everybody is lovely. I hope Logan and Blair are great. But Vic's not our coach anymore. I'm a Mississippi State guy. I'm not a Vic Schaefer guy. And again, that's nothing against Vic. Vic was great to me when he was here. I hadn't heard from Vic since he left. And you know what? Vic hadn't heard from me because we broke up. That's how breakups work. I don't sit around at night waiting by the phone thinking, wonder, is tonight the night is Vic going to call me? I want, do you think Vic's going to call me and say, hey, Steve, did you watch that game we had the other night? Because you know what? No, I didn't. I didn't, Vic. And Vic doesn't expect me to. So Vic and I are officially broken up. And for those of you that can't move on, here are today's top ten breakup songs. So perhaps maybe you can come to grips with the fact that Vic Schaefer is never going to be our women's basketball coach again. All right, number ten, and it's a great one. It's Taylor Swift's, we are never, ever, 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 ever getting back together. 
Let that sink in. Listen to it 10, 11 times in a row if you have to. We're never getting back together with Vic Schaefer. Number nine, one of my personal favorites, Purple Rain from Prince. We never meant to cause you any trouble, Vic. We never meant to cause you any pain. But I, I don't want to see you standing there in the confetti rain. I, I don't. I, I don't. I, you know, listen, have a great time, whatever, but I'm a Mississippi State person first. Uh, number eight, we're going, we, we could pick probably 10 Adele songs, but I went with someone like you. Someone like you. Number seven, a song that I really don't like that much, but uh, I, I kind of appreciate it. I kind of respect it a little bit, but it's You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. It was overplayed, and there were too many people. Like, I mean, it's like if you weren't alive in that time, you don't fully appreciate what that song did to a lot of women was just it's crazy. I mean, it was just like there were T-shirts and bumper stickers and everything. Everybody's wearing those bangs, and it was, it was, out, of, it was out of hand. It was out of hand. And so, and it was so funny too, like back in those days, not everybody had caller ID. So like girls would call and like play that song on the telephone. It was weird, but you ought to know. Number six, I can't make you love me by Bonnie Raitt. And I know it's hard, Bulldog fans. I know you're, you're thinking, you know, that Vic's laying awake at night wishing he could hold you, but, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's got the long, he's got the long horns by the, by the horns. He's you know playing to do, he's taking his talents elsewhere. He's not laid awake at night thinking about you. So you can't make him love you anymore. Number five, it's a healthy one here. It's Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Now Vic may retire one day and move back to Starville and you'll see him at the Starville Cafe and he'll be he'll he'll appreciate you, but I can promise you he's not thinking about you right now. Number four. An absolute classic here. We're going to go with Go Your Own Way from Fleetwood Mac. It's a healthy breakup song. It's all good. We'll still be friends. We just won't be lovers anymore. We're just kind of moving forward. We're going to be mature about this. Number three, and this is, again, and I know many of you, when you watch those Texas Longhorn basketball games, I know I know many of you, I know you can't move on. I know some of you sit there and you watch that and, you got your praise the Lord, go dog shirt on. Maybe even scratch out the dogs and put horns and orange. I don't know. But this is what I, that's what I think about when I hear this song. And I'm sure you sit there and you sing it to yourself as you see Vic out there on the floor. It's nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. You got to get over it. He's not coming back. Number two, I think about those national championships and this song comes to mind. I think about us blowing that layup. Think about uh, giving up that three-pointer against Notre Dame, final seconds. But it's what hurts the most by Rascal Flats. You know, what hurts the most is being so close. And finally, and this is the one that uh, probably needs to sink in really good for you here. It's uh, End of the Road by Boys to Men. Because that's where we are. It is over. It is completely over. So let's get, you know, let's, let's make a clean break here. Let's, let's enact a no Vic Schaefer social media policy. And it, it's okay. To, listen, I wish him well. He was a great guy. He was here. Sure, yeah, I feel the same way. But some of you have this unhealthy fascination about this. It's almost like Ole Miss people with Hugh Freeze. And obviously, they have more reasons to be upset with Hugh than we do Vic. But they're not coaches here anymore. They're not. So if you love Mississippi State, let's get behind what we have. And that's not to say that we can't be respectful and, you know, say, you know, listen, hey, 
Appreciate everything you did, Vic, because that's exactly how I feel. But when we're going to start game threads on Mississippi State Facebook groups to talk about Texas games, you have an unhealthy approach to this. We are Mississippi State people. We're going to focus on Mississippi State, good, bad, or indifferent. That's what I'm invested in with my time, effort, and energy. You know, you can do what you want to with yours, but when you start going into Mississippi State Facebook groups, and, and you know, it's like I've, I've read some of this stuff today. It's like, hey, listen, we're not going to do this. And thank you. Thank you. I think it was Philip Duncan that had in the Hell State group is, hey, guys, this is not the Vic Schaefer page. Thanks, Phil, because that's exactly how I feel. You know, I go to Mississippi State social media to read about Mississippi State. Win, lose, or draw, that's who I'm supporting. And I care about what you guys have to say. Even if I don't agree with you, I still care. I don't go to read about Texas women's basketball. As a matter of fact, I can't think of anything, you know, less that I'd be interested in. I mean, than that. So let's move on. Move on. And, and listen, on behalf of your high school girlfriends, your college sweethearts or whatever, and you're still hanging on to this hope, it's not going to happen. Okay, let's just watch a Vince Vaughn movie or whatever and kind of move on with life. Okay, it's over. It, it, it's over. We, we've just kind of reached a point in our time, in our lives, that we need something more than a good time. It's over. Campus Bookmart, I was there this weekend. Thanks so much for those of you that came by. And uh, went there and dropped, dropped, dropped some money on some gear, too. You know, I had family in town and uh, had to make sure that everybody was outfitted in their Sunday blacks for the game on Sunday and had a great time on Saturday. It's always so great to see Stan the man. He's always – Stan is one of the happiest people that I know. I've never been around, you know, when Stan's in a bad mood. I'm sure people that, that know him well could probably argue against that. We all have our moments. But uh, Stan's always fired up about the Bulldogs, man. We, it's, and he's always eager to talk about the Bulldogs. So – you want to go in and talk some sports while you're shopping. You know, maybe you're looking at the wife to the shopping and maybe you just want to sit and, and talk sports with Stan. You can do that. So many great people in there, great service, great prices, great selection of merch, man. I mean, absolutely great selection. Go by and see them today, Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, We'll give you a phrase that pays. If you need to get Sunday black jerseys for yourself, your family, your kids, or whoever, you can do it. Hit them up today, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and I get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk a little basketball here for a second. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. So Mississippi State ends the men's basketball year 18 and 15. 8 and 10 in the, in the Southeastern Conference. We've talked about this a couple times. But beginning of the year, if somebody would have said, hey, listen, guys, it's a rebuilding year. We got seven guys that have left the program. Going to only have a couple guys back that have played in the SEC games. But you're going to have a winning season. You're going to finish right at 500 in the league, and you're going to play in the NIT championship game. I think to a man and woman, we would have said, I'll absolutely take it. And now that we have it, to be honest with you, you know, my feelings about the season are different. We, we, were, we were the last team in the NIT. And we didn't get in other than the fact that some other schools opted out. But we got in and we made the most of that opportunity, which says a lot about this team. And it says a lot about this coaching staff. That they say, hey, you know, you got a new lease on life. Let's go make the best of it. Let's go make some things happen. That's exactly what we did. 
So we'll make a quick run through this thing. You guys know we beat St. Louis 74-68. We beat Richmond on the, the DJ uh, dagger there at three to win it. And then we we go out and dominate Louisiana Tech. And that's the team that uh, that beat Ole Miss. You guys may recall that I know a lot of people are downplaying the significance of the NIT, but they were still cheering very hard for Ole Miss. And they got embarrassed by Louisiana Tech, and then we embarrassed Louisiana Tech. <clears throat> State absolutely dominates that first half. Got off to a huge start, 41-29 at the half, and then we outscored them by 10 in the second half and really took it to them. And this, and this is a team that was 23-8 and 12-4 and and in the, in the uh, Conference USA. Uh, looking at the numbers here, your guards absolutely go off. Iverson Molinar with a career-high 25 points. DJ with 23. Derek Fountain throws in 15. Eager to see how he develops over the next year. Abdul will do with eight, seven rebounds. Uh, Paul Jones said that morning, this morning that uh, he's worked some sources, still not expecting Abdul will do to come back. Now, he can come back and it will not impact a scholarship situation. But I'm, I, I'm told you know, a couple weeks ago that uh, there's a possibility he may come back, but he is considering going to play internationally. He's got been here a long time. Cam Matthews uh, started, uh, played pretty well in that ball game. Uh, didn't do much offensively, but that was not the case in a championship game. And so uh, we play Memphis, and before we even get into this breakdown, let me just tell you this, Memphis is better than us. They, they, Memphis is simply better than us. I thought they were really uh, more athletic at us at all five spots, and I thought it showed early on. They had more length. I thought they were quicker to the ball, and it took us forever uh, to score. I guess it was 13 nothing before we had a chance to score. But to the Bulldogs' credit, we didn't quit, and it would have been easy to. You say, you know what, it's just not our day. But that's not what happened. Uh, I thought you know, Davion Smith gave us a lot of lift early on because you know, Memphis was determined, you know what, you guys might beat us, but it's not going to be with Molinar and it's not going to be with DJ. And look at the numbers here. I mean, it's it's a 13 nothing ball game all the way up until 1242 to go in the half. And then Davion Smith hits a three, and you know, all of a sudden as bad as we played – and as tough as they have played defensively, you look up and say, you know what, we're only down 10. We're only down 10. We start chipping away a little bit, and then we go down, you know, 15 to 3, and then what happens? Molinar hits a 3, and it's like we've made two shots and we're down 9 points. Really? Yeah, really. We get, we kind of start getting it going. Molinar gets going, and, and uh, it's down to an 8-point game. They stretch it back out to 10, and then um, – you know, it's it's one of those things you just kind of felt like if we could just get a couple of stops and put this thing together, we could make this thing a ball game. They begin to kind of manage that lead, and then finally we get going again. Smith hits a three to make it an eight-point game, and then we get a turnover. Uh, no, I guess we don't. I guess we come off the free throw there and uh, get the rebound, and Devion Smith goes coast-to-coast coast there, and all of a sudden it's just a six-point game. So we're beginning to close a little bit. They hit a three, go back up, and the next thing you know, it's they stretch it back out to 11. And, again, we had a chance to quit here. We don't. Cam Matthews b- drops a bomb to make it an eight-point game. Then we get off and get loose on a fast break, and uh, now it's down to six. They take it back out to eight, and uh, we make a couple free throws. Cam Matthews, biggest game of his career so far. They stretch it back to nine. And then right before the half, just under two minutes to go, State goes on a run here. It's 31-23 with 2.16 to go. Cam Matthews bombs another three-pointer. It's a 31-26 game. Cam Matthews gets loose in the paint. 
It's a layup there. Now it's the three-point game. Cam Matthews uh, makes a free throw. And uh, it is a 31-29 game. And you're thinking, is this really happening? I mean, you know, Memphis looked a little gassed there. They uh, they do go up four on a DJ Jeffries uh, play there and make it 33-29. And then we get a couple free throws from Derek Fountain. And then Anderson Garcia nice through uh, at half court and picks it off and has the finger roll to tie the ball game. Now, this is really when our magic moments kind of ended here. But I thought it said a lot about our kids and a lot about our coaches that, you know, you get overwhelmed so much in those first 10 minutes of the game and you battle back and you tie the game and you've got new life. Now you're thinking, you know what, 20 more minutes, we can win this thing. Mississippi State actually comes out and, um, you know, know, plays with a little energy, but I just kind of felt like that – you know, we were in a little bit of trouble here. I think they adjusted pretty well. But, you know, you know Cam Matthews, of course, uh, you know, playing hard, had a big ball game for us. But, uh, you know, there's no point in kind of recounting the whole second half here because I thought Memphis really overwhelmed us. But um, I, I didn't see any shame in the loss. That's the thing. Again, we were the last team in the tournament, and we're the last team to lose. And some would say, well, you know, Steve, it's the NIT. Listen, this team needed an NIT this year. We did. And I think we're going to be better for the experience as we kind of move forward. Cam Matthews, a career-high 19 points. And maybe it's because he was playing against DJ or playing against those guys from Memphis. He knows some of those guys. But we saw something from him that I don't know that we fully appreciated existed at this level. In a game that Mississippi State really wanted, and this team really wanted, Cam Matthews really stepped up. Abdul Adu was a monster, I thought. Eight points, 11 rebounds, uh, had a couple of blocks. I thought he got hit with a couple of really cheap fouls, too. Iverson Molinar held, held a six. Uh, Derek Fountain held a six. DJ Stewart held a four. Uh, Devion Smith with 17. And so I want to talk a little bit about DJ Stewart. I have had some people tell me they think there is a real possibility that he comes out. Now, I think it's all going to depend on the conversations he has in the coming days. But I won't be surprised either way. But as of now, I think he's probably leaning towards coming back. But there's going to be a lot of people are going to have a lot to say between now and then. The thing that I would say with DJ is when we have games like this, when we play Memphis, when people are very aware of who he is, they're going to do everything they can to take the game away from him. So we have to have somebody kind of step up as a third scoring option for us. But also, too, I think DJ needs to realize, too, when he plays elite defensive teams, he's got to do better. If he really wants to play professional basketball, he can't turn in four points against Memphis in 37 minutes. He was one of 10 from the floor. And so in order, it's one thing to go put up 24, 25 points against Louisiana Tech, but when you know the the caliber of talent that teams like Memphis and Kentucky uh, have, those are when you need to go have big games. And so I think if people are honest with them, they'll tell them "You, you probably need another year. Now, selfishly, we all want him to come back. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves here, DJ needs another year. That doesn't mean that he's going to take it. You know, he may decide, you know what, I've, I've, I've been here long enough. I'm ready to go. I don't know what he's thinking. But I think if he comes out early, I think, it, I think it'll be a mistake. Now, I kind of felt that way with Josh Robinson, too. And Josh Robinson, of course, comes out, you know, announces before the Orange Bowl that he's coming out. It was a very selfish thing to do. It was a big distraction for the team. And I don't know if we won that ball game because we, we just struggled so bad against the option that night. But, uh, 
you know, that's the thing that I hate to see. You hate, you know, Benique West Brown comes out early, needed another year. Barry Wilson, God rest his soul, comes out early, needed another year. You know, uh, I don't know that Reggie Perry needed another year. I don't know that Robert Wooded needed another year. Now, I think he could have benefited from another year, but I think both of those guys were proven commodities at that point. I don't know that DJ is. And so I think when you see your friends out there and they're playing some and they're on Sports Center or they're in the G League or whatever, I don't know that you're guaranteed that opportunity. So you got to be sure about that. You know, what if, what if you go and then you end up playing in, uh, you know, Russia? Or what if you end up playing, you know, in France? And there are, there are you know, worse things in life than doing that. But if, you're, if you have NBA aspirations, you know, why not prove yourself? Because how many times do you see some guy go play internationally and then all of a sudden he's in the NBA? It, you know what I'm saying? Once you go, it, it, you, you almost never come back. I mean, you know, goodness, look at, um, you know, look at Timmy Bowers. Look at Darrell Wilson. You know, those guys are great players for a long time overseas and uh, never got their opportunity over here, really. But I'm happy today because I feel like Mississippi State basketball improved down the stretch. You know, there were times, of course, that that loss to Vanderbilt had us all ready to go uh, help Ben Howland pack. But we rebounded from that. And we won some games we should have won. We got obliterated by Alabama in the SEC tournament. And I'm sure Alabama was tired of messing with us, too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what? Those daggum Bulldogs from Mississippi State, every time I turn around, those guys are keeping it close with us. We need to go out and make a statement. And they did. But I think if we can keep the band together, we can have a good team next year and make a run at the tournament. I mean, I I really do. And I think Ben Howland is deserving of another year. And And I've read some comments, too, that are kind of puzzling to me. People are like, well, you know, if we win the NIT, that probably means Howland's coming back. Listen, he's coming back, win or lose. He's back next year. Now, what happens contract-wise between now and then, I don't know. Maybe you roll him over and you don't, you don't up to buy out or extend the buyout. I'm sure all that's being discussed now. But, uh, you know, Ben Howland's a guy that I thought, you know, down the stretch did a good job. Now, offensively yesterday at times I thought we were overwhelmed and, and many of our best offensive stats were when we just simply went out there and played, uh, you know, played some one-on-one basketball. But uh, we've got to – under the framework of our offense, we've got to have more of a team concept kind of moving forward. Our guards have got to get more assists. We've got to find a way to get easier shots. And some of that's going to involve having better post play. And maybe Tolu Smith slides into the five. But uh, I can't feel bad about men's basketball today because I got a gift I wasn't expecting. Is we got a chance to play in the postseason, and then we, we took advantage of that and played in every game available to us in the postseason. So, Ben Howland, thanks for that. Hope we can build on this and kind of move forward. All right, if you're looking to make the move to Starkville, and you should, make your next move with Portico. Our good friend Brooks Bryan, he's my friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State baseball, a friend to all Bulldogs. One of those guys that everybody needs to be excited about because uh, Brooks not only is a great player, but a great guy. And so if you're looking to move, call Brooks today about Portico. And let me give you a little info about that. Portico, of course, Brand new residential development, the newest, nicest construction, the newest, it's where the cool kids are moving, right? And so if you're looking to make Stargill your home, no better place to go to Portico. When you come off of 82 on 12, like going to campus, the very first ride is Pat Station Road, which at the four-way stop turns into Garrett Road, which is where Portico is. That's how close it is to campus, just over a mile away. Phase one is nearly, nearly purchased. So if you want to get in there soon, you need to go ahead and give Brooks a call. Phase two construction will start here in a couple months. You're going to start moving some dirt. Need the weather to cooperate a little bit. But uh, you got the walking trail out there. You got um, 
you know, you got the, the pavilion area so you can get out there and do some entertaining or maybe you're looking for an investment property or maybe you're thinking you know what steve we just want a ball game get away we want a place that we can go and stay and you know a place to kind of keep our stuff and gear and not have to haul it all over the state every time we get ready to go up there we'd love to have a place there and i, I meet people all the time and say you know what steve we just bought a place up here and we love it you will too whether you live here full time or just during baseball season so let's make sure we get it all done and uh, give Brooks that call today. Let me give you his number. And if you and if you need some Diamond Dog baseball stories, he's got a bunch. He can tell you some stories about Ron Polk and Pat McMahon. 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Okay, let's talk a little bit recruiting. Uh, brought to you by the folks at Portico. So Carter Edwards, offensive line prospect from Pres Christian there in Hattiesburg, was on campus on Friday, had a chance to kind of do the student tour, go out and kind of learn about engineering, didn't get a chance to go in all the buildings. We're still having some COVID protocols here, but he got a chance to kind of get out and go. They shares he also had some Mississippi State ice cream. And if that's not enough right there to get you on campus, I don't know what is. Uh, but you know, Carter Edwards is a guy that's been a priority target for State for a long time. A lot of people thought, you know what, this guy grew up in an Ole Miss family. He's going to go to Ole Miss. But I am convinced that this interest in Mississippi State is 100% legitimate. I guess he's been here, what, three times now uh, this year? I know he's been here twice. And he had been to Ole Miss. And you can say, well, you know, Steve, he knows enough about that. But you know, he wants to major in aerospace engineering. And uh, Gene Swindoll had a chance to interview both the parents and Carter on uh, Friday. And – you know, this is a guy that's going to make his decision really kind of based on academics and then let his athletic prowess, you know, kind of pay the freight in that deal. And that's a good way to do it. That's the whole point in giving scholarships. It's not just, you know, to build a football factory. It's to uh, get great students here and then enable them to play athletically while their education is paid for. Uh, and that's, you know, there's some people out there that don't understand the value and then that that's why they want to give everybody free money. Uh, you know, as a guy that's still paying for some uh, loans for his uh, former college baseball player uh, that uh, has a job now and a family of his own, I can tell you it'd been nice to uh, have had that opportunity to not have to pay that. But um, be that as it may, uh, Carter Edwards is a guy that has a bona fide interest in Mississippi State. Now, when he decides, I'm not exactly sure about that, but I believe Mississippi State leads. I know Colorado is in there uh, right now, and it's one of those things, too, with Colorado is that, you know, I never know what's next from Colorado. And so, listen, I think it's a great place. I, I love the Buffs when uh, when Coach McCarty was up there and Cordell Stewart and those guys and Rashawn Salam. They were great. It's a different day and time now. And uh, and so, I just don't see him going all the way up to Colorado. I, I think he enjoyed it. It is a beautiful campus. I know he had a good time up there. I believe Mississippi State is the leader. I think it's just a matter of time before he commits to Mississippi State. Listen, I've been wrong before. That's the thing about recruiting. When you're trying to project what you think teenagers are going to do, sometimes you get surprised. But uh, I believe Mississippi State is in a good place here. I also want to share, too, that a lot of people have said, well, you know, this is like a Sean Rawlings situation. It's not the same at all, just because of the fact that uh, you had some people grow up, you know, cheering for, for Ole Miss. Doesn't mean that's the best fit for their kids. You know, I, I remind you, too, that uh, Carl Lawrence, friend of the show, friend of Mississippi State, he and his lovely wife, Margie, uh, loved them both very, very much. They were Ole Miss fans. And uh, Addison Lawrence, their oldest son, got the opportunity to come to Mississippi State, didn't go to Ole Miss. And then Cam got the opportunity to go to State and Ole Miss, and he chose Mississippi State. And so it, it's not a foregone conclusion. There are a lot of people – 
that grew up cheering for Ole Miss, and all of a sudden that their their kids get an opportunity to go to Mississippi State, and that they will they'll defect. It may be short term, but they will. So I say all that to say this, you know, to to suggest that Carter Edwards is Sean Rawlings is not fair to Carter Edwards. It, it's not. He's got nothing to do with that. There are some people that build these things up and said, oh, it's the same kind of situation. I'll be honest with you, it's really not. You know, Sean Rawlings jumped on the Mississippi State offer when he didn't have an Ole Miss offer. Carter Edwards has had an Ole Miss offer since the beginning of his recruitment. And now here we are kind of moving towards a decision Ole Miss is not even getting the unofficial visits. He's not even mentioning Ole Miss in the interviews, really. Ole Miss has not made him a priority. He has not made them a priority. And so I don't think it's fair to look at Carter through the lens of other recruitments and say, well, here's the situation. This happened to us before. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like your girlfriend cheating on you. Do you think all women will cheat on you? Maybe they will, but not. that's just not been my experience. I, don't, I think it's unfair uh, to, to suggest one recruitment or relationship is going to be like all the predecessors. It's just not how life works. And so I think it's important to kind of look at Carter Edwards' situation through what he says and does and not on what somebody else says and does. And Sean Rawlings, once he got the old Miss offer, I think we all kind of felt like it was simply a matter of time. I've got no negative things to say about Sean Rawlings, none whatsoever. I think it's a great thing when young men get the opportunity to play for their dream school. He had that opportunity, made the most of it, was a starter for them for a long time, played really well for them, probably better than most of our fans anticipated. But I think it also shows, too, that maybe John Hevesy knew a little bit about SEC linemen, right? He goes out and offers that kid really before anybody else in the Power Five was serious about him, and he ends up having a good career at Ole Miss. And so there's nothing negative to say about Sean Rawlings. You know, how would we feel, you know, if a guy that grew up going to Mississippi State, all of a sudden State offered him late, and then he flips back to State, you would be like, you know what, hey, this is what it should have happened. We should have offered him all along. And so the Carter Edwards situation, uh, I think, is one that's going to prove to be very positive for Mississippi State in the end. He is a very good player. He's a very intelligent guy, comes from a great family. Uh, the family just happened to grow up, you know, cheering for Ole Miss. You know, his dad will tell you. He goes, hey, I'm a huge Ole Miss football fan, but I'm going to let my son make his own decision. And this is a guy that wants a major in aerospace engineering, and Ole Miss doesn't offer that program. It's as simple as that. And some, for some, would say, okay, well, he's going to go there anyway. Uh, I don't, I don't think you know the situation well. I think the bottom line is, is this is a young man that is extremely academically motivated, knows exactly what he wants to do with his life once football ends. And so I think it's important to kind of judge him based on what he says and does rather than what somebody else may have said and done. So we're going to have some big things happen here in the next few weeks. I mean, there are a few guys out there we've been talking about on the show. You know, Trent Singleton's a guy that at Raymond High School. I love his game. I do. I think it's just a matter of time before he's a bulldog. And there are a handful of other guys out there that have kind of handed around. There's some other that are saying, you know what, we're going to wait and see about these official visits if that happens. And not every school is going to host people in June. You know, that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand how the process works, and they think, oh, I can just kind of pick and choose. I remember K.J. Wright one time telling me, I'm going to go visit this school this weekend, this school that weekend, and he just didn't understand what that meant. He didn't understand that he couldn't just call the school and say, hey, this is when I want to come, you know, because they may not be hosting players that weekend. And there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the process that are kind of telling uh, people in interviews, so this is what I'm going to do. Well, if you don't get the invite to do it, you're not going to do it. So we'll kind of let things play out as they go. But uh, I do think we're about to have a pretty good stretch here. Spring football is going well. We're going to talk more about that on Wednesday. That's going to do it for today. If you will, go ahead and go to alphadogsthebook.com and go order Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Flim Flam. Get personalized copies today. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and I understand there was a delay in some shipments, but it should be rolling now. 
You can get your Stark Villains shirt. And a lot of people wearing those on Sundays, and it warms my heart to see those black and white Stark Villain shirts out at Duty Noble Field on Sunday. Even, even saw one on TV on the replay of the LSU game. And so, good sir, thanks for wearing that shirt. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.